KMTT, and today's Wednesday, the 16th day of Tammuz, Ted Zayin Tammuz. Today's share, which I'll be giving, this is Ezra Bek, is on Hilchot Brachot, Masechet Brachot, Halacha Vagada. Today we're going to look at a well-known Halacha, based on the Gemara, on Daf Yud Amud Bet. The Gemara there has two statements, which basically say the same thing. They're quoted together in uh, Shulchan Aruch. The first statement is, Amar Rabbi Yossi Bar Hanina Mishum, Rabbi Ben Yaakov, Mai Dichtiv, Lo Tochlu Al Hadam, Lo Tochlu Kodm Shitpalulu Al Dimchem. There's a Pasuk in Vayikra, in Parashat Kedoshim, Lo Tochlu Al Hadam. There is no Pshat to this Pasuk. There's only... There's only drashot. This actually is the classic example quoted by the Rambam and Sefer Mitzvot and, and other Rishonim of what's known as a lav shebichlalot, a lav which includes many things. And usually that happens because it doesn't have any one obvious pshat. Many psukim have a pshat and you dash in other things. But lo al adam, you should not eat over blood. So there are a number of interpretations given by Chazal. Uh, and one of them, the one that's given over here, somewhat more far-fetched from the point of view of Pshat and others, you should not eat over blood. Lo tochlu kodum palu al dimchem. You should not eat, you may not eat, before you have prayed for your blood. Prayed about, about your blood. In other words, about, about your life. So this is the source of the prohibition to eat before davening. To eat before davening shacharit. Uh, it sounds like, since the Kotsa Pasuk, that it's the Oraita. Almost all we shown him saying that this is not the Oraita. This is really too far-fetched to be Pshat in the Pasuk. The Pshat in the Pasuk refers to Ebed Menachai and to one or two other things which Chazal say. But this is really only a Asmachta. It's a, a reference to a Pasuk, but it's really the Rabbanan. Uh, the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvot quotes this interpretation as one of the interpretations which renders this lab a lab shebecholot, lab that includes many isurim. It appears from that to be the writer, although many uh, said the Rambam didn't mean it, and there's some kitveyad um, manuscripts which don't include it. Um, there's a Ah who says it's the writer, but almost all Rishonim say it's only the Rabbanan. But nonetheless. The Pasuk exemplifies, the Pasuk expresses the idea, although it's not the Pshat in the Pasuk. You should not eat before taking care of your blood. Amar Rav Yitzhak, Amar Rav Yochan, and Amar Yossi Barchanin, and Mishum, and Elizabeth Yaakov. Notice it's the same uh, person, the same list of people saying the uh, saying the statement, but a different, a slightly different statement. Kol ha'ochel b'shotev ha'chakach mitpalel, he who eats and drinks, and afterwards davens, alav, Hakatuv Omer Vaoti Hishlachta Acharei Gavecha. Someone like that who eats and only then davens, the Pasuk says about him, and you have thrown me behind your back. A Pasuk in Malachim Aleph Perak Yudalid. Al Tikrei Gavecha. The Gemara makes it even stronger. Not that you have thrown me after your back. Ela Geecha. You have thrown me behind, beyond your pride. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God says, Lachar Shenit Ga'ezeh. After this person has expressed his pride, has puffed himself up, has 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 taken care of his own majesty, so to speak. Only then does he accept upon himself the all oh, the yoke of the heavenly of the heavenly kingdom.
So we have it two different Ma'amarim, both by Vazza ben Yaakov, and they both say the same thing, that you're not allowed to eat before, before you daven. The, both of them are connected to a Pasuk. One is a Pasuk in the Torah, one is a Pasuk in the Nevi'im. And I think if we examine the Pasukim, we get two slightly different pictures of what's objectionable about eating before davening. The first, Mama says, Lo tochlu al hadam, which is interpreted to mean, Lo tochlu kol palalu al dimchem. You should not daven before, you should not eat before you have prayed for your blood. What's the picture again? What's wrong with eating? person wakes up in the morning and he has nothing. If we add and remember that Chazal views sleeping as a kind of death. The language of Chazal was one sixtieth of death. So we say Moda'ani in the morning. God has returned our souls. You, you, you were dead at night. And now you first get up you have nothing. You have no oxygen. You have no air. You have no life. You have Everything has to come from God. And what do you do? You're worried about, about, about a pretzel. As Al Tochlu Lifneshit Dimchem, you're a condemned prisoner. You, you, are, you are about to die. You have no justification for living. It's the first, you, you just come out into the world. It's your first second of breathing. The first thing you have to do, obviously, is to go and daven and to pray, because that's the only way that you'll survive. You're like a drowning person. And you're gasping for air, and what do you do? You say, "Oh, and by the way, I think I'll have a, uh, I think I'll have a little sandwich." It makes no sense. It shows it's a lack of priorities about what about yourself, about your existence. It shows, obviously, it's a religious uh, uh, transgression. The question is that you think that you are alive and well and self-sufficient. You daven because they told you to daven, but but you're not desperate to daven, and so basically, it shows your total misunderstanding of the priorities of your own existence the reason is in truth because you have the wrong relationship with God but, but the, the error is based on a misunderstanding of what it means to be, to be alive you wake up, the first thing you do is press that oxygen button I have to worry about other things such as mere food and drink that's the first person don't engage in eating and drinking when your real problem is Blood, meaning life. Remember, in, 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 the, in the Torahs already, surely in Chazal, blood and life mean the same thing. Ki hadam hu hanefesh. The blood is the soul, is the life. As litpalel al hadam means to, to pray for your very life. And instead of that, you're, you're, eating, you're eating and drinking. It's as though the picture is as though uh, um, someone has been granted an audience with the king in an attempt to save his life because he's been condemned to death. And when the king is sitting and he's about, and he, it's time to speak to him, so he, he, he's, busy, he's busy eating a, an ice cream cone. And he says to the king, wait, 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 I'll, I'll get to you in a second, I have to first finish this, this little repast that's been given to me. It makes no sense, it shows a total lack of understanding of who you are. The second mama, I think, has a different theme altogether. It's connected to the pasuk, The truth is, the the correction that Chazal make to the word, the al-tikri, do not read it thus, but read it in another way, which is a form of, of drush, adding an extra meaning to a word, here it, it doesn't introduce a new understanding. I think, I think it merely it deepens or explains what the true understanding of the Pasuk is. But if we look in context, it's quite clear. The Pasuk is found in Melachim Aleph Yudalit, and the uh, Navi 
is telling the uh, the wife of Aviyah, Melech Israel, son of Yeravam, uh, uh, who has a sick child, and she comes to speak to the uh, to the prophet, the prophet who's basically been betrayed by Yeravam and and his children, and uh, she wants to know. What can she do? What's the future of a child? So God answers her that basically we have a lot of chutzpah coming. And, and, and uh, the Pasuk says that God, uh, through the instrument of the prophet of the Navi, says to her, you know, I made you king. I, I, I split the Davidic kingdom into two and gave you the northern kingdom. I split the Davidic kingdom and gave it to you, but you are not like David, who followed my mitzvot. What did you do? You've done terrible things, worse than anyone who came before you. And you went and made other gods and, and images in order to anger me. And, but me, God is speaking, but me you have thrown behind your back. In other words, it's it's an affront. God is, so to speak, speaking as one who's been who's been insulted. Who's, who's been he's saying, I did all this for you, and what have you done? You've made other images, but and and myself, you've tossed on the on the garbage heap behind behind your palace. So so Chazal strengthen the petition. They say, what does Gavecha mean? It means Geecha. How could someone do this? It's because. Not because you really think the other gods are more important than God. He was a Jew, he grew up, he had the Navi speak to him, the Navi promised him the kingdom and gave him the kingdom in the name of God, he knew who God was. But the reason why these sorts of sins take place, in the case of Aviyah, the king of Israel, is because he's really valuing himself more than God. And that, although it may be paradoxical, in fact psychologically is much more understandable. It's not a theological error of saying there are more important values in the world than God, namely other gods, other values. It's a psychological error, a psychological misstep that the most important person, naturally speaking, in a man's world is himself. And it's a constant effort to subjugate oneself to God. And if one doesn't do it, then one ends up valuing oneself and therefore the hunger, the the slight hunger one has in the morning, I, I first have to stuff myself. Then I have ideals. Then I'll come to speak to God. So that's ge'echa instead of gavecha. But the basic principle is what it says in the Pasuk itself, that we've cast God aside on the heap. If this is the, if this is the, the source for this particular prohibition of eating before, before davening, so it's not what we had before, that it indicates a, a distortion of human priorities, taking care of the unimportant before the important. But in fact, it's directly... A, a, a religious affront to God. Eating before davening is saying, I'm more important than God. Notice that in the first Masuk, both sides was I. Do you take care of your life, your blood, or do you take care of your hunger? What's more important, your, your heart, meaning your blood, or your stomach? So you're a nut, because you feed your stomach before ensuring a decent blood supply. But here, it's not the important part of my life as opposed to the less important part of my life. It's God before myself. So we've changed the focus. It's an affront to God. It's an insult to God to eat before you daven. Not because you should be so desperate to daven. 
as opposed to taking care of unimportant things, but because as desperate as you are, maybe you're starving to death and you really want to eat, but 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 God is more important. And and one has to pay one's respect, so to speak, to God. What what, what is therefore now what does the davening represent? The first davening of the Tokhlu al Adam represents getting and taking care of our basic needs. Oxygen, blood, life itself. This one is not talking about our needs. It's more a matter of respect. You you are a Balgaiva. You are a proud and puffed up, self-centered individual unless you first relate somehow to God. And the English word, I think, is a nice expression. One pays one's respects to God and only after that, afterwards goes and and eats. The language of the Gemara is Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lachar Shenidgaezeh Kibel Alav Malchut Shemaim This bad person who has eaten before he davened after he has fed his own pride taken care of his own majesty he goes ahead and accepts upon himself the kingdom of heaven. Now it's not a matter of davening in the sense of, of, of getting the most important things. It's davening is it's here called Kabbalat Malchut Shamayim, accepting the kingdom of heaven, showing one's allegiance to God, one's respect to God, one's connection to God, that has to precede one's allegiance, respect, and care of oneself. Is there a difference between the two sources? Remember, both sources were said by exactly the same person, Rav and Yaakov, even the Mesoa, the tradition of, 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 of transmission, is identical in both cases. Rabbi Yitzhak, Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Chanina, Mishum, Ben Yaakov. Uh, in a case like this, we have two mamarim next to each other, especially if they're said by the same person, so we're not going to have real uh, uh, controversy, dispute, about the details of Allah. So anything which you could uh, infer from one of these statements will be Cholach Lamais according to the other as well. But nonetheless, there is a difference of emphasis here. And if we, we can learn a, a certain halacha from one of them, it will be applied to the other one as well. It will be applied to the bottom line. But it does derive for one. So for instance, uh, from the expression, Rav derived that it's permissible to drink water before davening. This is called halacha lamais in the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch passes way. There are apparently... Uh, uh, shown him who disagree. The Rama, for instance, simply says one is not allowed to taste anything. Doesn't have any distinctions, and anything I think means anything. But Rav Yosef said you are drink one. His reasoning was very simple: drinking water is not geecha. It's not a matter of pride. He interpreted it not that you've taken care of your needs. Water is a very basic need. Everybody has a need for water. It has to do with like we would say in English, stuffing yourself. In other words. Uh, having a su'uda, sitting down and eating, enjoying, it's, it's, it's specifically not the basic necessity of food that is a contradiction to paying, paying, paying one's respect to God. Nobody would say that, not just because Allah Chalamais is impossible, but I think even ideologically, you wouldn't say it's also to breathe before davening. But it has to breathe. Uh, but on the contrary, it's, it's sitting down and having a nice meal. The original language in the Raviyah is, he says it's also to drink, he's talking about only by drinking, not about eating. It's also to drink wine. It's intoxicating. It doesn't mean because you get drunk. But it's a special kind of enjoyment. A, 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 a fancy, it's a mishteh. 
Right? It's a, it's a, it's a, you go, you go to a kiddish before, before you daven. But water, he says, is, uh, is permissible. This is the basis for the subsequent discussion, very long and convoluted discussion, Yachonim. So, according to that, can you drink tea or coffee? Because it's not just water, it already has some flavor, it has something added in it. So, most of say it's okay. Can you add sugar to your tea or coffee? This Yachonim thought was asur. Sugar very involves, involves, it's, it's substantial. And not merely water. But then they said that since nobody drinks coffee or tea without sugar today, so maybe that's okay too. Can you put in milk? There's endless discussions where the exact border is between just water and, and, and something that involves gay echa, something that involves priding oneself, feeding one's pride, showing, puffing up one's pride. It's not important to Allah Chalamaisa now exactly where it goes. Discussion is, is well known. But this is all based on the second pasuk. The first pasuk, he would not have reached his conclusion. And, and the Rav says, Explicitly that he's basing himself on the second pasuk. Lo tochlu al adam. Lo tochlu kolim shitzbalu al dimchem. You should not take care of any secondary need before the very basic need of having God in your life. <laughs> so then, uh, nothing should, nothing should proceed davening. Halach lemaisa, since you can prove it from the second one, he thinks that water is okay. So you'll say it's not so bad for the first one as well. I'm saying halach lemaisa, we're not going to have different halachot. Uh, uh, we're not going to create a controversy between two different mamarim of the same person. But there's a difference in conceptualization based on these two psukim. Is it a prohibition of thinking about oneself before one thinks about God? In which case, thinking about oneself, the Aviyah argues, involves a certain kind of thinking, a certain amount of, of, of thinking about oneself in a luxurious manner, and not in a very, very, very basic manner. Or is it a prohibition of uh, concerning oneself with well, our own minor, relatively minor, private needs rather than getting straight at the heart of the matter, our very our very existence. There's a machloket between the uh, Rishonim, between the Rosh and the Rashba as to whether or not if one begins to eat before one can daven, before it's mutu daven, whether one can continue. The assumption of all the Rishonim is that this prohibition only begins if you could daven. The davening can only be done uh, from alot hashacha, from da, uh, from dawn. So if one gets up in the middle of the night, it's okay to eat. That's understanding. It's, uh, the prohibition is eating instead of davening. If you can't daven, then there's, uh, you're not allowed to daven. It's not time for davening yet. There's no problem eating. But there's a machlok at whether or not if you begin to eat shortly before dawn, can you continue eating when dawn when dawn comes about? This is based on Gemara and Psachim. And in, uh, and in Shabbat, that says concerning other mitzvot, concerning mincha. It's also to eat before you have a mincha. It's also to do, it's also to eat before you do any mitzvah, which is time to do. But there, the halacha says, if you begin to eat when it's mutar, and then the time comes, you begin to eat before this man, the time of mincha. And then time of mincha arrives, you may continue. So, the Rishonim ask, what about this halacha? And the Rishonim says the same thing. So, if you begin to eat before Alot HaShachar, then you may continue to eat after Alot HaShachar. But the Rosh says no. The Rosh says no. Because the Pasuk says, Lo tochlu al adam. What's, what's the Rosh's point? If we would look at merely the second verse, Roti kavecha, there's a difference between someone who is facing two possibilities. Does he check in with God? Or does he check in with his stomach? So, he, he's, he's, he's insulting God. But if you're in the middle of eating, 
and you began when it was permissible, it's not the same thing to say that, oh, you have to stand up right away. It came time to stand up right away and speak to God. Of course, it could be that way. But we see that in other places, Chazal have the attitude that says that if you're ready in the middle of something, it's not so terrible to continue even though you could do a more important thing. Now, as if it's a matter of the relative importance of myself versus the relative importance of God, so of course God is more important, but if you're in the middle of something, you're allowed to continue it. it it's, it's conceivable that one could continue to eat and that one was finished since one already began. But if the prohibition is based on a, a, a lack of understanding of one's own priorities, we engage in trivia when one is about to die, when one is perched on, on, over the abyss of death and one needs to plead and beg and somehow ensure that God give us life, so it will make a difference, which is exactly what the Rush is saying. Since the Pasuk says, the Rush admits that the Pasuk is not the Yomaita, it's only in Asmachta, but it still expresses the idea. The idea being that you are perched over an abyss and now you have your chance to grasp at life and you eat. It doesn't make sense if you started eating beforehand. You're still nuts. You're still, you're still acting in a manner that's totally incompatible with understanding of the nature of life and the relationship of life to, to, to God. And therefore the verse is explicitly, because of the first Pasuk, he says you have to stop, even though normally in other mitzvot there would be no problem to continue. But here, it's not a prohibition of engaging in A or engaging in B, in which case precedence, beginning something, changes the relationship between A and B. Here it's a question of engaging in anything when you are simply seconds from, uh, from, from, from what basically means from what basically is death. Another uh, possible distinction between these two sources, is it a affront to God to not pay one's respects to Him before paying one's respects to oneself, or is it a lack of understanding of one's needs, would relate, logically at least, to what exactly is prohibited. If it's a prohibition of taking care of food before one takes care of one's basic life, then it's clearly talking about Shemun Esri. How does one, how does one get one's blood? How does one get one's life by by addressing God in Shemun Esri? We ask for our basic needs. So by by standing before the king and praying, we, we that's the dimchem, that's the blood, and eating is uh, taking care of minor, relatively minor needs. However, if it's the so gavecha. So it, it doesn't appear obvious that it's directly connected to Shimon Esrei. As I use the expression a number of times, one has to pay one's respects to God. So the Yachwana want to know, does this prohibition, would it be solved perhaps by other other, other tefillot, or, or for instance, Kriyachma, specifically Kriyachma. In fact, the language of the Gemara is, when it expresses what God says in that pasuk, quoted from Malachim, after this person has prided himself, he accepts upon himself the yoke of heaven. The the kingdom of heaven is an expression normally associated with Kriyachma. Kriyachma is Kabbalat all Malchut Shemaim. Here it says, Kibel Malchut Shemaim. The word old does not appear. The Mishnah Bura, in fact, paskans that way. And he says here, it's not necessarily Shemun but it's Kriyachma as well. It's also to eat before Shemun It's also also to eat before, before Kriyachma. Which makes sense. Because you first have to Fulfill your obligations to heaven before fulfilling your obligations in, in quotation marks to one to oneself. Some Achonim disagree. The fact is that the Gemara 
does in the statement, not in the explanation, in the statement uses the language of tefillah. He who eats and afterwards litpalel, tabening, and litpalel in Masechet Brachot always means, or almost always means, saying um, saying Shmonesve. Uh, so, and said logically, it would depend on which source we we view as being central. If it's do not eat before praying for your blood, it's clearly refers to Shimon Esrei. If it's do not eat before, do not feed one's own pride before subjecting oneself to the kingdom of heaven, in other words, first bow to God and only then bow to yourself, only then serve, serve God before you serve yourself, then then Kriyachma is a candidate. And that's what the Mishnah Burra uh, I suspect, because the Gemara is quite explicit, they're talking about tefillah, that there might be a different concept here of Kabbalat uh, uh, Malchut Shamayim. It's true that Kriyat Shema is a statement of allegiance to God. You are our God, and we are subject to you. That's why it's followed shortly afterwards in the second paragraph, Ayam Shamoa, uh, with what's known as Kabbalat Mitzvot. You are a God, and therefore we do, we do your, we do your, we do your bidding, we do your mitzvot. But I suspect here the Gemara is thinking not so much of saying that we do what we're told, but the idea of being we belong to you, and that, as we've said uh, previously in some of the shiurim here in Brachot, Shmon Esrei davening, even though we ask God to fulfill our needs, or perhaps precisely because we're asking God to fulfill our needs, is essentially an act of service, of Avodat Hashem. We say we belong to you. I'm basically making the second interpretation closer to the first, and first met the Ayo though, distinction is still clear, but you should first indicate that our focus, our world depends on God before taking care of it ourselves. So it's not, you don't have the, the desperation expressed in the first Pasuk. You're about to die, what are you eating for? No, no, it's a question of do you take care of yourself or do you, are you subject to God? But the true subjection to God is in Shemun It's not merely saying Baruch Hashem. It's in showing that everything we have comes from you. And that statement that everything comes from you, Ein Lanu Ela which is the central theme of Shemun Esrei, that is the, is the action which then allows you to then go out and, and, and take care of yourself. Okay, I merely suggest that as a suggestion because the Gemara says tefillah, as I mentioned in the Mishnah Bura, uh, Paskins explicitly, that it applies to Kriyat Shema as well. Now, you might raise the point in your own mind. It's all very nice what I said, and I said it so so uh, poetically. It would seem that what I'm saying should apply to anyone who gets up in the morning. After all, let's say the first Pasuk, Lot Adam, person gets up from death and has to begin to live. Uh, what's his life based on? Uh, only God. The statement found in all we've shown him that this only applies from the time of tefillah from Alot HaShachah it appears to be a little strange suppose you get up before Alot HaShachah you're still getting up from death you're still planning to, to, to live the whole day how do you go about your day and eat before you've, before you've appealed to God so you can't appeal to God yet because it's not the time but you surely shouldn't be taking care of yourself so oh, Shem say not that way and the answer is because of a technical halakhic understanding if you can't daven then there's nothing wrong with eating because it's the relative the relative choice on your part that's so problematic. But the truth is that the Zohar, 
does not uh, uh, base himself on Alot HaShachar, on Dawn. The Zohar says explicitly, and, and the Maganavam brings us to Halacha, that if you get up in the middle of the night, you may not eat. You can't daven yet, but you still may not eat. Because the idea of eating, when you haven't yet daven, it's not the choice between davening or eating that's problematic. It's, how can you eat if you haven't yet spoken to God about the, the truly important connection, which is uh, mentioned by the word dam? The second, Pasuk would surely not support us. If it's a question of, Oti Yishlach it only, you're only giving yourself precedence over God if it's possible to speak to God. If I've been invited to the king's house and I choose to go to my own uh, dinner, then that's a problem of, Oti Yishlach But if the king won't let me into his house, so in the meantime I eat, that surely would not be a problem. So again, it would be a distinction between the two sources, although it's not the halacha. In other words, in, in normal halacha, both it's clear Allah that the din is based on Allah Tashacha. But again, uh, some folks can think that one should try to fulfill the uh, Zohar as well. The Zohar says that one may not eat from once one has woken up. The day begins first, ensure life, ensure a connection with God. The connection with God is life, and only afterwards can one can one take care of one can one take care of oneself. It's worth noting that the Rambam who, as we've seen previously, organizes the, the Mayrid Halachot of Mesechet Brachot into, into categories that are a tremendous amount of editing work here. The Rambam quotes this Halachah of not eating before davening together, uh, literally in one, in one breath, together with Halachah found in the Gemara Andaf Yudalid of not doing Melachah, of not engaging in, uh, in, one's, in, in, in any activity, uh, not, not taking care of tasks. <coughs> not taking care of tasks before, uh, before davening, which would indicate it really is different than the psukim quoted here. It's not because you're, you're, you're eating and drinking, you're, you're stuffing yourself before speaking to God. It's simply that the first thing you do should be to speak to God. One takes care of God before one takes care of oneself. It's closer to the second pasuk. Oti hashlach Just like it's a sur to eat before davening, it's a sur to, uh, to fix your, uh, to fix the air conditioner before davening. You're taking care of yourself before speaking to God. The first pasuk, Lo tochlu al adam, uh, I think it's clear that the relationship there is eating as opposed to breathing, okay? as opposed to, to actual actual life. So the Ramah, he doesn't actually quote the psukim at all, but he categorizes in a manner of the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is daven. Afterwards, you have other problems. Eating, going to do your work, the next halach the Ramah is taking a trip, which is a different gemara. And he puts all these halachot together, and that's the way it's quoted in Shulchan Aruch, in Shulchan Aruch as well. That's it for today. Thank you very much. We'll be back. I'll be back next week with another share in this in this series. And that was the shiur on Masechet Brachot Halacha Bavagada. And now for the midrash of the day, midrash Hayumit. Before we read the next midrash. I just thought of something about the Midrash, which we read in the last two days, the double Midrash. As I pointed out, the Midrash was out of place. I apologize for dealing with the Midrash, which dealt with a section in the Pasha that comes much later, when Moshe Rabbeinu asks God to appoint a successor, who we know will be Yoshua ben Nun. But the Midrash appears in the beginning of the Pasha. I told you I was doing it according to the order of the Midrash. The normal explanation found in the Mephashim is that it's a mistake. The manuscript somehow got jumbled, and this midrash, it's it's the it's Ot Bet number two in Seder Pinchas, should have been placed much much later, and somehow wandered into this location. 
That that that's probably the real pshat. But but I'm thinking that maybe maybe not. After all, the location in which midrash is found, the midrash before it, Ot Aleph, and the midrash afterwards, Ot Gimel, deal with Pinchas, who is the beginning of the Pasha. that God sends His message of peace to Pinchas and gives him a a brit, a special covenant. Very very warm words about Pinchas. I think maybe maybe the reason why the midrash that we read yesterday and Sunday which explained how the leader of the Jews must be someone who is like God, in the words of the Midrash, somebody who is a person who knows how to bear, how to suffer, how to be patient with each one and each individual according to his own individual personality. Why is that Midrash placed here? It's coming to explain that it's not Pinchas. After all, Pinchas has replaced Moshe Rabbeinu in this particular incident. Zimri ben Salu had brought the Midianit to Moshe and said to him, Look, I have this, this girl, what are you going to do about it? And Moshe Rabbeinu had no answer, didn't know what to do. The Midrash explains it explicitly, Rashi quotes it. Moshe Rabbeinu was speechless, but Pinchas got up and he smote uh, Zimri and saved the day. He, he prevented, he kept God from being crossed at B'nai Israel by turning the whole picture around. So he had shown great leadership abilities and in fact had replaced Moshe Rabbeinu at a crucial time. You ask, maybe he should be the person who will replace Moshe Rabbeinu after Moshe's death. Why does Moshe ask God to choose somebody else? And the answer is because because although Pinchas has great qualities, they are specifically and deliberately not the qualities of a leader. A leader who is patient and bears with each person according to his personality. Pinchas' personality, that of the Kanai, that of the Zilat, is specifically not that of the true leader. He is crucial for that one special moment when someone has to burst out of the bounds, not follow the rules, save the day by an act of great bravery, courage, and, and spontaneous reaction. But on the day-to-day bearing of the tribulations, the somewhat unruly, troublesome, not always nice people, bearing with them, not striking them down, if that need be done, but bearing each one, so so Pinchas is precisely not the proper personality, and that's what the Midrash is trying to tell us, it immediately juxtaposes the Pasuk and the Midrash, which explains how Pinchas was a great person, with a Pasuk taken from the same Pasha, but somewhat later, HaMashah Rabbeinu is looking for the ultimate manhig, he who carries, he knows to make peace with God, not by wiping out evil, but by helping God or helping the Jews view God and helping God view the Jews. If you remember yesterday's Midrash, the man, the king with his wife, how they make up and get together despite the irritations, irritations between them. So that, that, that's a word of ending concerning yesterday's uh, yesterday's midrash, uh, but where it's placed again, the obvious pshat explanation that's all a mistake is surely is surely plausible. For a new midrash for today, I turn a little bit later in the midrash Rabbah, going back indeed to the original pasha, the pasha about Pinchas. After God compliments and, and offers His covenant of peace to Pinchas, the pasuk reviews for us the personae, the actors in the drama that was at the end of the previous Pasha, 
in which Pinchas had been one of the great actors, and we've just talked about him, but then tells us who the others were. V'shem, Ish Yisrael HaMuka Asher Huka Et HaMedyanit Zimri Ben Salu. tells us that the man who had been killed, who was unidentified in the previous Pasha, the man who had been killed was Zimri Ben Salu, a leader of the tribe of Shimon. And it tells us the name of the woman, Kozbi Batsu, the Midianit, the woman from, from Midian. And so the Midrash states as follows. B'shem ha'ish Yisrael, b'shem ish Yisrael ha'muka, ha'muka, just as God makes a point of publicizing the good deeds of the righteous, as we saw about Pinchas, and that's uh, many, many parashiot in the Torah, the whole Sefer Beishit is to tell us of the great deeds and the wonderfulness of the tzadikim, God makes a point of publicizing the, the disgrace, the, the opprobrium of the evil. Pinchas Pilsamodishvach the Zimri Lignai. That's why Pinchas in the very same Pasha where Pinchas is getting his compliment and being publicized what a great person he was. There's this Pasuk which really has no Pshat need for us to know. No, no, it's important to know the details and to the same to publicize the name of the evil do of the evil doer. Alehem Neemar Zechat Sadik Livracha V'shem Rishaim Yirkav. Just as we know, Zechat Tzadik Livracha, you mentioned Tzadik's name, you mentioned Livracha, there is the opposite, it's the same Pasuk, it's the continuation of the same Pasuk, to finish it off, V'shem Rishaim Yirkav. And then the Medrash continues, that this applies even to uh, their family. It says about Zimri ben Salul that he was Nasi Beit Avla Shimoni, he was the leader, the prince of Shimon. Why is it necessary to know? You might think it's because it's something, something about him. Maybe we should realize, wow, even though he was a great person, he still did wrong. It might have something to do with the pshat and his personality, but this Medrash gives a different explanation. Since the whole pasuk here is not to tell you about him. That was the previous pasha. It's merely to mention his name because it's important to publicize evil and attribute it to evil people. So here it says, We publicized his tribe because... That's part of the opprobrium. He who uh, ruins himself, he who disgraces himself, disgraces his tribe as well. And then, specifically about Shimon, the Medrash adds that Shimon, whatever you might think of him, but Shimon had been Mosanefesh, he had gone out of his way in the context of, of Znut, of promiscuousness, when he went out to revenge his sister in the story of Shechem. And his grandson, Zimri, had done the opposite. And that's why it's even a greater disgrace to his Shevet, that he had disgraced his Shevet by doing the opposite midah of his Shevet. That's it for today. We heard today the shiur given by myself on the Sechet Barachot, Halacha Va'agada, followed by the Mishnah Yomit. You've been listening the KMTT, the Torah podcast. And this is Ezra Beck, wishing you call to Bibakata Torah Mitzion. KMTT, Kimitzion, Teitzei Torah, Udvar Hashem, Yerushalayim.